can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey, welcome to Talking Pools with Kelly and Dan. We are back for another episode. Dan, how's how's the week been going for you? Uh, so far, so good. I, I guess I can't complain. It, it, we had a little bit of rain early in the week, but uh, rain and cold, um, not totally unseasonably, but it's warmed back up. I think we got a little bit of the heat that was out by you last week finally moving in here. So uh, we'll... I hope it wasn't as bad as I had it. Oh, gosh, no, no, no. We're, we'll be 80s, low 80s uh, tomorrow and through the weekend, which is beautiful. Um, no rain forecasted, so it's a great sort of Indian summer kind of thing. Well, that's nice. Yeah, we um, went from that, like, 115 record-breaking. Now we're in, like, the 80s, and they say it might rain on Sunday. Okay. Um, well, maybe that'll help with some of the fires, huh? That would that would be nice because it's pretty bad. I sent a fit picture to you guys in the group, like, and that's just the one fire going on right now. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like, is that a spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> is that a fire? And yeah. then when you and the area I cover is quite large, and where that fire is, you can see it different angles, and it's kind of interesting to see how large it has gotten. It's like um. Two, it's the mosquito fire, I believe they call it, and it's already in two counties. Wow! So, do you do, do you have people that you service that are within those areas? Then, um, I do not. They okay. are they are more the remote, like um, foresty areas, which yeah. is good for me. Bad for people who want to be more on the outskirts and they have to worry about it. I know um, one builder I work for her uh, daughter and son-in-law and the kids and the dogs and everything had to come move into her house for a little bit because they were evacuated. But he, he was saying luckily where they live only maybe one or two houses burnt down. One or two. Wow. Which still that's devastating. Yeah, for sure. Fingers yeah. crossed that it, uh, you get some rain and some relief over there. And I think the, the having the lower temperatures helps. The wind doesn't help. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to have some rain here in California. You have, you know, the four seasons, spring, fall, summer, winter, and you have the fifth season, fire season. Fires and, and mudslides and hurricanes, right? Or no, not, I mean, hurricanes. That's, that's where Rudy's <laughs> at is hurricanes. You have earthquakes. That's what yeah, I meant like to say. I don't, I don't feel them too often. Um, when you're in the Bay area, you definitely feel them more often, but mm. I would consider fire season more threatening than the earthquakes, at least yeah. the ones that have happened in my lifetime. Yeah. Wow. Well, fingers crossed. Hopefully things get put out and clear up and all the rest of it for everyone out there. Yeah. Um, so today's episode, what are we talking about for everyone? 
Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, equipment and installations, maybe some repair stuff and some uh, good ideas as far as maybe some tools to bring with you and some things that you should be doing to make sure that what you're installing is uh, going to work for a long time without having a whole lot of problems for the people. And, so what would you uh, say I, is your number one tool, like your favorite tool out of all your tools? Well, in, in the last uh, handful of years, the, the big push, and certainly with the, the mandate a year ago on variable speed pumps, um, my favorite and must-have tool for anybody is a vacuum and a pressure gauge mm-hmm. and or a flow meter. Um, yeah. Because uh, we've, we've run into, and I'm sure you have too, so many instances of variable speed pumps being installed in and programmed at speeds that are exceeding every parameter they ever should in a given installation, whether it's too much flow for a filter or for a salt cell or for a heater or for um, the the main drain or, or suction grates. My you know, favorite exceeding... one. My favorite one is people who want to put a three horsepower pump on inch and a half copper plumbing and run it. At thirty four fifty eight hours a day, right? Yeah, and we run into all too much of that. And uh, you know, we've we've been installing variable speed pumps for probably I'm going to say sixteen, maybe even eighteen years now. And uh, and honestly, we've got a lot of those pumps that are still out there today, which is really really neat compared to the typical lifespan of single speed stuff. So a lot of good value in having variable speed um, longevity. Certainly the energy savings is, is one of the big factors, but if they're not installed properly, we see, uh, you know, filters splitting. Um, we see heaters with, I'll say erosion, not corrosion. Um Salt cells that are being blown apart, and and all kinds of things that are just just really really bad. So, how do you determine now? Some of the newer pumps, we we're a big, we install everyone's stuff, but we primarily do Pentair stuff, and they have a pump that you can actually program GPM as opposed to RPM, yeah. which makes it real real simple and and straightforward. But for the majority of the pumps that are out there that are spinning at a certain RPM, how do you know exactly how much water that that pump is moving? And, you know, we get a lot of people out there that are just, oh, well, I did it this way before and it seemed okay, so I'm going to do it that way again kind of stuff. And I'm not an advocate of that. So, uh, you know, for me, all of the installations that our technicians do, they've got to record the the vacuum on the pump and the pressure on the pump and calculate total dynamic head and use the pump curve to dial in knowing exactly what the speeds they're programming correlate into flow. Um, so for me, it's a very, a couple of very, very simple tools, nothing that are expensive, um, but really are, are the most important, uh, you know, VGB. So just, was it this year VGB standards changed a little bit yeah. again? Um, it, you know, we've got some of those systems that you're talking about, a three-horsepower pump on an inch-and-a-half copper pipe, and the velocity going through that that pipe is way beyond what the 
VGB standards call for. So we're, we're putting people potentially in harm's way if we're not careful with what we're doing and, and we're not professional about what we're doing. So that's where I'll start. How about you? What are your go-to things to, to bring with you? Um, I would say, okay, my 11 and one electrical tool, that is probably the one tool I use 90% of the day. Um, I do a lot of repairs, a lot of warranty. So I'm opening up a lot of control boxes and, um, actuators and stuff like that. So that's my nice little tool tool. Um, when it comes to, I think the other thing would just be my catalogs from the manufacturers so that I can have any information I need about what is going on in equipment. Um, if you aren't, and you know, I'm familiar with more Hayward stuff than others. Not that I don't have any knowledge, but for those ones that I may not be 100% familiar, I find having that information to really be beneficial. You know, like you need to know that on like a Jandy RS system, if it's older than 2008, you can't put a variable speed pump on it or right. at least put one on there and use its benefits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are my two things. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a great point. It's a, it's a tool that isn't a tool, right? Yeah. It's, it's not the convention of what you, what you would think, you know, we've got technical documents on a, uh, uh, network storage device at our office that has remote access to it. And all of our technicians on their phones have apps that they can get into it. And they have at their fingertips on their phone or their tablets, everything that we've ever compiled relative to that, whether it's, you know, in, installation manuals, troubleshooting guides. Um, yeah. Troubleshooting guides are really helpful. Anything that, that we've ever been able to get from, from manufacturers through the in-person training sessions in digital format we put out there, you know, we're not always working on the same exact component, the same exact make mm-hmm. model day after day after day. And, uh, you know, it's not happened in a while, but we've at times had had homeowners who have said, well, you know, your guy didn't even know what he was doing. He had to look this thing up to figure out how to fix it. But at least and, he looked it up. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that's not a, a bad thing. If 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 you've got somebody that has the ability to do the work and, you know, I would argue I've been doing this for a long, long time, but. If I were to go out somewhere, I would be looking at a manual before I went out there. And, you know, it's not that I don't know what needs to be done or or whatever, but I just want to be as familiar, follow the proper, you know, procedures and troubleshooting, make sure I'm doing it as efficiently as possible to help save them money and to to get me through the day a little bit quicker and get more things done. It's just, that's that's a great one. I, I hadn't thought about that. And I'm great. glad you brought that up because that's probably one of the best tools that you could have. One, two, three,
Place your ad here and launch your product with the Talking Pools podcast. For information on sponsoring the Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan show contact us at TalkingPools at gmail.com. Glad you brought that up because that's probably one of the best tools that you could have. Yeah, and I think it's completely fine to if a customer is obviously standing over you watching what you're doing. If you feel like you may not be 100% sure of something, if you have to say that you have to look it up or, hey, let me just double check what I'm thinking is right or, hey, let me just make a quick phone call. Like, let's say you have somebody like I have quite a few people I can call and ask them whatever that question is. And I think yep. there's you shouldn't feel afraid to do that even with the customer standing there because you're showing them you want to make sure this is done right, that you're you're on the right track, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And and to that point, um, just the other day, I asked you a question, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> at, and, at, you know, opposite ends of the country, practically, and, and in, in sort of different environments in terms of what we do. But, that was a large uh, pool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. And that's not uncommon in our area. You know, it's kind of Midwest is... Uh, Bigger the better. You know, we, we like to pretend we're Texas, I guess, <laughs> and everything. We're not quite, and actually not even not quite. Illinois is so far from Texas, it's not even funny. But uh, but ultimately, same kind of thing. Hey, I, I, I ran into a situation, had a question that, you know what, I want someone else's thoughts on this. And, oh, well, I know Kelly does a lot of this stuff. Let me just shoot her a quick text and, and see if she can give me her thoughts on it. Well, I'm glad so, I, was, I was of some service. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that uh, forever... Um, I have have always done that kind of stuff. Networking and, you know, we talk about this. We talked about it last week, I know. Um, getting to know other people in the industry and reaching out to them and, and being comfortable to be able to ask questions and to, and to say that, you know, after 35 plus years, I'm not 100% versed in this particular thing. Mm -hmm. So let me get to somebody who's a little bit more knowledgeable and let me, let me get some direction here. Um, so whether it's out of a out of a manual that you carry in a binder or on a tablet or that you access through Google or or through a text message, just you know your phone a friend kind of thing. Um, oh, like cash those tab. Are, <laughs> yeah, so, you know it's all tools. Even though it's not a hammer or a screwdriver, it's it's all tools. Mm -hmm. So um, you know another. So in another area, I know out by you, I don't think that. Gas heaters are a huge, huge thing. Oh, we um, in May I sold five. Okay. Um, they're big. They're mainly just big for uh, the spa. Um, okay. Homeowners mainly only use it for that. You'll have a couple that may heat their pool. My dad ha had a customer I met many years ago who would heat his pool every year for his daughter's birthday in April, so that they could have a pool party. He sure. did say it was very expensive, but hey, it's his daughter's birthday. Yeah, um, right. So they're they're still popular. It's a, it's a item you know that we regularly sell. Uh, okay. And well, I I know you had talked about heat pumps becoming more popular okay. out by you, and you know that's got a little bit different set of of you know tools and things that you do. But in in our area. I would argue that probably 90 to 95% of the pools have a gas heater on them. 
And that's for and heating the pool, or do they mainly use it for spas? No, for the pool. Okay. Um, in our in our market, uh, well, even my own pool, from the middle of June until maybe the first of August, it'll maintain eighty to eighty four degrees just from the sun. Okay. Um, but outside of that, if you want to keep it anywhere near 85, 86, I don't like cold water. I like it 88, maybe <laughs> even as much as 90. Um, but, it, you know, you need to have a heater. So yeah. we do a, a ton of work on heaters. We do a lot of installations of, of heaters, replacements of heaters and things like that. And, uh, you know, I know you doing the warranty work for Hayward, you run into this, I'm sure, often where gas pressure is a thing, yep. right? So all of our technicians are required to have a, a mono, at least one manometer on the truck. And I argue that they should have a backup just in case yeah. you know, it falls in the pool or just quits working or whatever the case is. But every heater that we go out to, we're, we're taking the gas pressure readings that the manufacturer tells you you should be doing to make sure that you're, you're operating in the right, right realm. And, you know, you'd be surprised heaters you know we, we've got pools that are 30 40 years old tons of them that have had heaters from day one mm -hmm. and you go out and put a, a brand new what i'll say is a current style heater you know sealed combustion chamber and yeah and all that kind of stuff on it and if you don't check gas pressure even though the old heater was there and ran for you know 20 years you're you may find that you don't have adequate gas pressure you know, right. the newer style heaters are much more demanding of that compared to, you know, I kind of referred to the old style as like a gas grill kind of a heater. You have a, a tray full of burners and water passing through overhead. And if the pressure isn't great, odds are it'll still work to a certain degree. You're not going to get as much heat as you should. Uh, you may have other issues, you know, that, that it's not efficient, but it, for the most part, kind of, kind of goes. And isn't that a good reason why homeowners should know they need to service their heaters? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we talk to people all the time about, um, you know, these these things are not, and, and pumps as well, of course, filters, you know, you got to be doing routine things, cleaning and, and whatnot with those. But, you know, if a heater isn't serviced annually to make sure it's clean, the orifices are, are clean, the gas pressures remain true, that the the thing is functioning at its optimum performance, it shortens the life of it and potentially becomes a danger as well. But uh, I think you know, another thing with heaters is let's say you're a person who only does repairs, don't clean pools, do nothing chemically with pools, that type of thing. You still should carry at minimum test strips to test the yeah. water when you have a leaking heater. Yeah, it's uh you know, we've we've had through the years, and we we don't do this anymore. But um, where we would go out and put a new heater in, this mostly happened in the early spring. The people knew last fall the heater had a problem with it leaking, and in the spring they reach out to us and say, "I need a new heater," and that's all they say. They don't tell us it was leaking. Well, the water chemistry only got worse over the winter months. <laughs> um, all of our acidic rain and and everything else going in the pools. And we put the new heater in, and we've we've honestly had brand new heaters in as little as two to three days that have heat exchangers that are compromised because of bad water. Now that's 
probably a couple of decades ago since we've run into that because we, we started very quickly saying, okay, before we even plan on putting that heater in, we're running a water test on the pool. It doesn't matter what the reason is, we're, we're doing it. Yeah. And getting that water corrected if it's out of balance before we even consider putting a heater in. I had a warranty so, yeah, last for sure. year Having that a- was for a heater. And um, the I went, it was leaking really, really, really bad. And the first thing I did was test the water and it was, it was bright yellow for the uh, pH. And yeah. so I go over to the heater and you can see the copper where, it, or the, the color of copper where the water had been. And I explained to the customer, you know, Normally, this isn't covered under warranty, but we'll give you a discount at, at the for the new parts. And I tried to educate him on water chemistry. And he's like, but I, I bought this house from the previous owner who put the pool in. And he just told me to throw a bag of shock in it every week and a tab. And that was all I needed to do. Yeah. So that's where... You need, even as a repair person, you kind of have to have some sort of water chemistry knowledge to teach these customers when you come into those moments where water chemistry damaged the equipment. Thanks for listening and and making us part of your day and keep tuning in every uh, Tuesday for more of Kelly and Dan and all the good things that we'll try to bring to you. Remember, rate us, download when you listen. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you in the field or in the office or anything pool related. So we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 